0: Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash HDF. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Merck CGAA, Darmstadt, Germany. Welcome to this Peer Voice activity on IAP antagonists in oncology. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professor Ken Harrington and Dr. Ezra Cohen. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues.
1: Hello, I'm Kevin Harrington from the Institute of Cancer Research and Royal Marsden Hospital in London, UK. I will be joined by my dear colleague, Dr. Ezra Cohen. In this activity and the first episode, We will be discussing the role of key apoptosis regulators in oncology and why they are important. On this slide, I summarise for you the three E's of cancer evolution. We know that frequently pre-malignant conditions will be cleared by an active immune response so that they never manifest. However, some lesions will persist in a phase of equilibrium, and some of these lesions will escape that equilibrium, emerging as clinically apparent cancers. Those cancers demonstrate an altered microenvironment, the loss of antigenicity, loss of adjuvanticity, and also resistance of cells to apoptosis and also heterogeneity within the genetics of those cells. Here we see the importance of key apoptosis pathways, both intrinsic and extrinsic apoptosis pathways, and the Formation of immunogenic cell death are key contributors to anti-tumor immune responses. We also see the importance of components of the hallmarks of cancer, including resisting cell death, which can be modulated by pro-apoptotic mimetic molecules, and also avoidance of immune destruction that can be altered by using immune-activating antibody therapies. Here we see a summary of immunogenic as compared to tolerogenic cell death, and this determines the adjuvanticity of what happens as a cell dies. You can see that when immunogenic cell death occurs, key hallmarks of so-called immunogenic cell death, such as ATP release, HMGB1 release, and calreticulin display on the outer leaflet of the cell membrane, are able to activate dendritic cells, which are able to then mature, migrate to loco-regional lymph nodes, activate T cells within those lymph nodes, which will expand and return to the tumor, often down gradients of chemokines such as CXCL9 and CXCL10, to engage with and kill cells. Please note that the phosphatidylserine residues in the cell membrane remain on the inner leaflet in this form of cell death. In contrast, when tolerogenic cell death occurs, phosphatidylserine residues are displayed on the outer surface of the cell membrane, and these can talk to dendritic cells, leading to their secreting immunosuppressive cytokines and becoming tolerized to the tumour, such that no anti-tumour immune response is generated. Cells are removed from the microenvironment without activating immune responses. Here I show you the importance of both the intrinsic and the extrinsic apoptotic pathways. In the intrinsic pathway, genotoxic stress at the level of the mitochondrion leads to degradation of key regulatory proteins such as BCL2 family members and inhibitor of apoptosis proteins. Their degradation leads to activation of caspases in an early initiation phase which can then lead on to an amplification phase at the level of the mitochondrion with loss of mitochondrial outer membrane potential, release of proapoptotic molecules, including the protein SMAC, which is able to inhibit the inhibitors of apoptosis, reinforcing the proapoptotic signal. From the extrinsic pathway, again you can see that the protein SMAC is able to inhibit one of the inhibitors of apoptosis proteins, reinforcing a signal from the extrinsic environment through death receptors, leading to activation of apoptosis. Here I show you the important ways in which cancer cells can dysregulate apoptosis. This can range from genetic mutation of key drivers, such as p53, modulation Of the balance between pro and anti-apoptotic signals at the level of the mitochondrion, mainly in the BCL2 family members, an increase in expression of inhibitor of apoptosis proteins, reduction in expression of caspases, and all of these impact so-called intrinsic apoptosis. Similarly, for extrinsic apoptosis, reduction in expression of death receptors, or alterations in ligands that bind to those receptors, or the display of dummy decoy receptors, which do not signal into the cell cell cytoplasm, can all alter apoptosis signaling. And here I summarize the effect of drugs that can impact the um, inhibitors of apoptosis proteins. So these so-called SMAC mimetics, which include the drugs Savinapant tolinopant, birinopant, and LCL161 are able to inhibit these inhibitors of apoptosis proteins, both at the level of intrinsic and extrinsic apoptosis, leading to promotion of cell death. This cell death can then occur in a form that is pro-inflammatory and pro-immune, leading to activation of anti-tumor immune responses. And I summarise for you here the activity of the IAPs and the drugs that inhibit them. So you can see that IAPs are capable of impacting on apoptosis by inhibiting cap- caspase activation. You can also see that they are able to downregulate activation of the NF-kappa B pro-inflammatory pro-immune pathway, and the drugs that will inhibit those inhibitors of apoptosis, the so-called SMAC memetics, are able to ablate that function leading to promotion of both cell death and pro-inflammatory responses. You can see there are obvious potential interactions, both with standard chemotherapy and radiation therapy and with the more novel immunotherapies. Here I show you data for the SMAC mimetic telinopant. This drug is capable of causing cell death by apoptosis, but also by triggering a necroptotic inflammatory form of cell death that can activate Uh, innate immune responses through the release of danger-associated molecular patterns, and this can also lead to an adaptive immune response at the level of the T cell. You can see that this drug is capable of leading to release of Hsp90 and HMGB1 from the cell, and also cell surface display of calreticulin, hallmarks of uh, of immunogenic cancer cell death. You can also see that in animals that have been cured with tilinapant, further challenge of those animals with tumour cells leads to tumour cell rejection in those animals that have been treated previously with tilinapant. Similarly, with the drug Xavinopant, you can see that this is capable of sensitising cells to treatment with carboplatin. You can see that in animals that have a competent immune system, the drug is capable of leading to tumour growth delay but in animals that lack an immune system, this effect is not seen. And in patient samples, we can see that there's increased infiltration with pdl one expressing cells, indicative of a pro-inflammatory immune response within those tumors in patients treated with a SMAC mimetic. And finally, I show you data for LCL161, capable of leading to significant increases in expression of inflammatory markers in dendritic cells, in promoting tumor growth delay and enhanced survival, which can be inhibited by co-treatment with an anti-interferon alpha receptor blocking antibody. And finally, you can also see the co-treatment with LCL161 and either a cytotoxic agent or, most impressively, an anti-PD1 antibody can lead to tumour growth delay, increased survival and indeed cure of animals. Here I show you activity whereby radiation can promote immune responses, both at the level of immune cell death, DC maturation and migration, T-cell extrusion into tumour cells and engagement with target, and many if not all of these activities can be enhanced by co-treatment with a SMAC mimetic agent. Here you see the opportunity that we have in combining therapies. You can see that there is a chance whereby, rather than giving single-agent therapies, the combinations may lead to enhanced um, survival, including a durable plateau on the survival curve. And we see huge opportunities for combinations of radiotherapy, standard-of-care chemotherapy, immune checkpoint inhibitors, and this novel class of SMAC-mimetic, IAP-interacting drugs. So, in conclusion, apoptosis is part of normal cell cycle, and its control is important. Cancers frequently subvert apoptosis control as part of the malignant transformation process. We now know how to trigger apoptosis with specific therapies, and the new class of SMAC-mimetic agents represents a new way to enhance cancer-related apoptosis. Specifically in head and neck cancer, there is a strong rationale to combine with standard of care therapies with a view to triggering pro-immune immunogenic cell death. I thank you for your attention, and please follow me now to the second part of the activity with Dr. Ezra Cohen.
0: Hello, my name is Ezra Cohen from the Department of Medicine the Division of Hematology-Oncology at the University of California, San Diego. Welcome to the second part of this activity, where we will be discussing the clinical evaluations of IAP antagonists in oncology, and why these agents are important. We'll go over the recent data for IAP antagonists, as they are being developed as therapies for squamous cell carcinoma of the head and neck. Let's talk about locally advanced head and neck cancer for just a moment, And consider that this is a disease where the majority of patients present with local or local regional disease and therefore will at least be considered for curative intent therapy. Some of the things that we think about, of course, are the stage, the patient's performance status, their comorbidities, their preferences, the primary site of the tumor, and the expertise of the treating center. All of this comes together in a multidisciplinary fashion to create a treatment plan for the patient. For patients with intermediate and advanced stage, still locally advanced, though, most patients will receive radiation or chemotherapy radiation. And another factor to consider, of course, is the HPV status, because that turns out to be quite prognostic of outcome in locally advanced head and neck cancer. Immunotherapy is being studied in the context of locally advanced head and neck cancer, but is not yet the standard of care. Now, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about SMAC mimetics, this relatively new class of agents that's being introduced into the therapeutic landscape in multiple diseases, including squamous cell carcinoma of the head and neck. We know that they are either in monovalent or bivalent forms, and I'll draw your attention to the agent in the middle, Zevenipant, because in fact, we do have clinical data in locally advanced squamous cell carcinoma of the head and neck. These data were developed as a result of a phase two study conducted by the gore group, where the first part of the study was a typical phase one looking at the safety, the, multi, the maximum tolerated dose and determining a recommended phase two dose of this agent in the context of chemotherapy radiation. In fact, the recommended phase two dose was 200 milligrams per day. And then part B was a randomization between the standard of care for these high-risk, locally advanced squamous cell carcinoma of the head and neck patients, consisting of high-dose cisplatin and radiation, radiation taken to 70 gray over seven weeks, really standard therapy for this set of patients, and the experimental arm simply added zavenapant during chemotherapy radiation and for a 21-day period afterwards. The primary endpoint was local regional control, and there you see some of the important secondary endpoints listed. Now, when we looked at the primary endpoint at three-year follow-up, what we see is a stark advantage to the addition of zavinapant in this phase two study. In fact, the three-year local regional control in the control arm was 56%, which is really typical of this high-risk population while the experimental arm with the addition of Savinipant went to 78%. Moreover, we saw similar increases in other efficacy endpoints, including progression-free survival, you see here, with a hazard ratio of 0.34. This is really remarkable in the context of locally advanced head and neck cancer. And the same is true of overall survival, a hazard ratio of almost 05 An increase with the addition of zevenopant. Moreover, when we look at safety of this agent, what we can see is actually consistent with the mechanism of action. We see an increase in in infield radiation toxicities, an increase in grade 3 dysphagia and mucositis specifically, an increase in anemia. Again, all of these consistent with the mechanism of this agent. However, Grade 4 toxicities were similar between the two arms, and deaths due to adverse events were similar between the two arms. So, there does appear to be an increase in acute radiation toxicity, but that is manageable and tolerable. With respect to late toxicities, again, we do see an increase slightly in grade 1 and 2 late toxicities in the Zvenpant arm, but no differences in grade 3 or 4 toxicities, suggesting that in the long term, there is no dramatic effect on function for these patients. In summary, what we can say about this randomized phase 2 trial, adding zephenipant to chemotherapy radiation in high-risk locally advanced head and neck cancer, is that we saw an improvement in overall survival hazard ratio of 0.49, a Improvement in progression-free survival with a hazard ratio of 0.34. A good safety profile not compromising the administration of chemotherapy radiation. And as you might guess now, this is being taken forward into a Phase 3 study called Trilinx. Let me pause for just a moment and put these data into context. Because we have been attempting to improve on the standard of care in locally advanced head and neck cancer for two decades. That standard of care has been cisplatin radiation, and rightly so, because multiple studies have demonstrated an improvement in outcome. But despite the multiple attempts to add agents, to substitute agents, to um, use different radiation schemas, we have not been able to move beyond cisplatin radiation as the treatment for these patients. And for the first time, we have randomized data that clearly demonstrate that the addition of Sifanapant, at least in the context of a phase two study, improved efficacy. Here you see the phase three study uh, that's currently underway and currently unrolling, the so called Trilinks trial, that employs very much the same schema as we saw in the phase two. These again are high risk patients. Now, one major difference is that this study is restricted to non HPV related. Disease. But the treatment is very similar to what we saw in the phase two. The standard of care is again being employed, high doses platinum and radiation, and the experimental arm adds cephenopant in the same way as the randomized phase two. The primary endpoint now is progression-free survival or event-free survival, um, with important secondary endpoints being overall survival and local regional control, as well as quality of life assessments. Zefenipant enhanced the effect of chemotherapy radiation, and here you see the schema or the mechanism by which these drugs, and zefenipant as a very good example, can do that. Essentially, when the uh, toxic stimulus comes into play to the cancer cell, be it radiation or cytotoxic chemotherapy, what we see is an increase in apoptosis that's enhanced by the addition of the SMAC mimetics. In fact, there are many agents now or uh, being studied in solid tumors and lymphomas. Here's one example, a tolinopant, that's being studied in a phase 1 study with an ongoing phase 2 in several solid tumors and uh, lymphomas. So far, uh, there have been uh, responses seen, and the side effect profile has been manageable with some grade three toxicity such as pancreatitis, rash and pneumonitis, but overall a fairly well tolerated agent. In addition to to Tolinopant, an agent called LCL161 is being uh, studied in patients with resistant myelofibrosis. So getting away from solid tumors a little bit. Here, uh, this agent is first being explored in a phase one and now currently in a phase two trial with the target uh, objective response rate of 35%. In fact, we do have some preliminary data from this study in uh, myelofibrosis patients. In the older group, an objective response rate of 30% has been demonstrated, and median overall survival of 34 months. Remember, these are high-risk patients with this disease. And uh, quite impressively, out of 30 patients, 22 of these had some degree of splenic reduction. therefore suggesting that this class of agents uh, may produce responses in patients with resistant myelofibrosis. The safety profile, consistent with the uh, other agents in this class, fairly well tolerated, some grade 3 toxicities, uh, nausea, uh, pruritus, um, but relatively uh, manageable and well tolerated overall. In fact, we now have a few agents that are being studied uh, in this class and you can see as we discussed, Zivinipant is being studied um, in locally advanced head and neck cancer as well as other solid tumors. There are other potential regimens for IAP antagonists in locally advanced head and neck cancer. Here you see uh, Birinipant uh, that's being studied in combination with Pembrolizumab, an anti-PD-1 antibody. Uh, this is being uh, combined in multiple solid tumors, including head and squamous cell carcinoma, but also GI cancers and um, uh, thoracic malignancies. you see listed there. Zafinipant is also being combined with an anti-PD-1 antibody, in this case, nivolumab. These are in patients who had progressed on prior uh, anti-PD-1 or PD-L1. And um, what you can see is that after a phase 1b portion, Uh, a phase two expansion is being undertaken. And um, interestingly enough, uh, responses have been seen already. Um, You can see in the waterfall plot, and uh, although the study still needs to mature, obviously uh, some of these responses appear to have durability. Certainly from a safety perspective, these agents are uh, quite uh, easy to combine with uh, very few uh, serious uh, toxicities overall. So in summary, when we think about locally advanced squamous cell carcinoma of the head and neck, we realize that most patients present with curable disease, and we should make uh, attempts, of course, in every case to do just that. The standard of care for locally advanced head and neck cancer, especially in a high-risk population, has been uh, chemotherapy and radiation consisting primarily of cisplatin. But this has been the standard for over two decades, and we continue to try to improve outcomes and improve on this standard. We now have randomized phase two data that Zafinipant, a SMAC mimetic, can improve local regional control overall survival and progression-free survival when added to chemotherapy radiation. A phase three trial is being undertaken and currently enrolling, and our hope is that we will have a new standard of care for locally advanced high-risk squamous cell carcinoma of the head and neck in the near future. Thank you very much for your attention, and I hope you enjoyed this activity. This has been an activity published by PeerVoice.